0: as teamwork. You know, there have been awesome teams throughout history. Let's look at just a couple of great teams. The original 1992 Dream Team. You know, there was so much hype, and I remember in 1992, I was a junior in college. And they assembled this team, which was the first time they were able to put all NBA players on the Olympic team. And I remember Michael Jordan, anybody know who Michael Jordan is? Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Charles Barkley, and they just amassed this, this team that was the dream team. I mean, if you were to pick a team to play together in basketball, this would be the team. And they won the gold medal in 1992. Just a few days ago, the 2012 women's gymnastic team they won the gold medal in a t- as a team events. The 2012 men's basketball team, and they're actually playing right now. So I appreciate you being at church. And uh, I know they already played because of the time difference, so do you want me to be the spoiler alert? Okay, they won. So our so the 2012 men's basketball team won the gold medal. Great team. The 2012 women's basketball team, they also won the gold medal yesterday, which was awesome. And then I had the opportunity to see this, that the... Uh, the 4 by 100 relay world record, women's world record, um, I mean, it was just the epitome of when you work well as a team, you can do amazing things. Let's look over in First Corinthians chapter 9. You know, the Bible talks so frequently about sports. It talks so much about teamwork to go. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, in verse 24, it says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. You know, we understand this principle, don't we? That in a race, you know, everybody runs. And if you're going to be a part of a race, you gotta be prepared to run in that race. Are you with me right here? You gotta go into strict training. And the Bible talks about that, that is, it's a good thing to go into training, but also to have great spiritual training. You know, let me ask you a question here this morning. You know, we're all in training for something. We're all running some kind of race here today. We may be running the race for financial security. Who would love some financial security in life, huh? Raise your hand. Some of us are running that race to graduate from college. Hallelujah, right? <laughs> to graduate from high school. Some of us are running that race and training for climbing the corporate ladder. That we're, just, we're all about, man, i gotta, I got to climb that corporate ladder so I can make more money, so I can be more powerful. And those things are good and noble things. There's nothing wrong with those things in and of themselves. But in in the scheme of eternity, those things will not last. How are we training spiritually today for a crown that will last forever? You know, in our mind, what do we think about the most? That's typically the race that we're running for in our lives. And I know for me, that, that can be challenging. The what do I think about the most? That's typically the thing that's most important to me. And I want to encourage us today that as we search the Scriptures, that we find out what it takes to complete that race for God. We're going to spend a lot of time this morning in Mark chapter 2. Let's turn over there we're going to look at an interaction with Jesus. Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1. You know, it is the days of summer. Who here went home for the summer? Raise your hand. Anybody go home and see mom and dad? A few people? All right. Well, I know the Garcias, they are on vacation this week, and uh, they went back to Florida to see uh, uh, Pete's uh, parents. You know, and there's something about going home. You know, I think about for myself, when I go home to Florida with, with, my, with my family and I go see my parents, typically the first thing that I want to do when I go inside the door is put my luggage down and chill out. Can you relate to that? The the next thing I want to do is, typically, my mom's made my favorite meal, which, you know, they already know what that is, so it's great to just come home and just sit down at the table, and it's already prepared, you know, your favorite meal there. And then typically, what do we do? We just want to take a nap when we go home. We just want to sit back in our old chair and just, you know, dream of the angels, Well, let's take a look here at this scripture in Mark chapter 2. It says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them since they could not get him to jesus because of the crowd they made an opening in the roof above jesus and after digging through it lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on you know see we 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 see jesus he's he's been out in the public eye at this point he'd been healing people he'd been feeding people he'd been working hard can anybody relate to working hard Jesus had been serving and helping people. He's like, I'm going home. And you would think, you know, after a long day, Jesus, you'd be like, I just want to chill, man. I've had a hard day. I've had a long day. But what does Jesus do? First, the first thing I want us to point out here is that the people had heard he was coming home. That, that tells you about the personality of Jesus. Jesus was a people person. Jesus loved being around others, and they heard that he was coming home, and so they said, we're going to throw him a little party at the house. And it says, so many gathered there that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And what could Jesus have done right here? He could have said, you know what, guys? I'm tired. Come back next week for next service. I've been traveling all over the place I'm tired. I just want to chill out. I want to nice, have a nice home-cooked meal. But what did Jesus do? Since he preached the word to them. You know, Jesus looked for every opportunity to share God's word with the people around him. Isn't that cool about Jesus? All right. Now the next part we're going to talk about here really pertains to the title of the message today. Teamwork makes the dream work. You know, in verse 3, the Bible says that some men came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. You know, we don't know really much about this paralyzed man. We don't know if he was born this way. We don't know if he had many friends or not. But what we do know is that Four guys, and we're going to call these guys the Fab Four. Okay? We do know that the Fab Four saw this guy and said to themselves, you know what? We need to get this guy to Jesus. Their goal as a team, as a unit, was to what? Get the paralyzed man to Jesus. They had one thing on their mind. They had one goal for them to accomplish. Let's look at how they accomplished their goal. It's pretty interesting. It says they couldn't get the paralyzed man in through the front door. Why? Because there were so many people there at the house. So what did the Fab Four decide to do as a team? They were innovative, and they came up with a different plan. And that's what you do when you're on a team. That whenever you want to do something great, whenever you have a great vision, a great plan in mind, it ain't going to be easy. It's going to be challenging. There's going to be obstacles that you have to overcome. Isn't that true in life? If you want to be great, is it just going to happen overnight? You know, there's there's no such thing as an overnight success. You know, in the music industry, they say, "Oh yeah, Justin Bieber, he was an overnight success." No, he wasn't. He'd been trying to to get discovered since he was nine years old. Katy Perry, she became famous a few years ago, but she had been she she had been trying to get signed to record deals since the time she was thirteen. It took 15 years for her to get famous and get known. Overnight success is, is, does not exist. If you want to be great, it's going to take persistence. It's going to take incredible hard work. So we see these, the Fab Four, what do they do? They say, okay, we've got to be innovative here. we got to get our friend. Our goal is to get the paralyzed man to Jesus. So they somehow get the paralyzed man up the side of the house. Maybe they use some kind of ropes. They use some kind of pulley system, and they get him up on the side of the house. I mean, just picture this in your minds. And this team, the five-four, they somehow get him up on the roof. Because what's their goal? To get the, get the man to Jesus. So they're up on the roof. They're up on the roof, and they go, "Oh man." There's no chimney. So at this point they could have been, you know what? Man, I don't wanna I don't wanna, you know, dig a hole through this guy's roof, you know, Jesus' roof. Yeah, maybe we should come back tomorrow. But was is that what happened? No, they, they have the, the fab four and the paraleg. They're up on the roof. And they said, Man, we gotta get into Jesus. So they start digging. A hole through Jesus' roof. I don't know about you, you can imagine because Jesus is in the room, and what does it say Jesus is doing? He's preaching the word to him. So imagine if we're here today. I'm preaching the word and all of a sudden he starts seeing like stuff falling from the ceiling. You as the people listening, what would you do? A little bit of distraction. You'd be like, What's going on? But that tells you the persistence of the team, the Fab Four. They didn't care how it looked. They didn't care what people thought of them. They didn't care about anything else except getting the paralyzed man to Jesus. So they dig the hole through the roof. Teamwork. And then they it says they lowered the mat that the paralyzed man was on. I mean, I don't know how they did that without him falling off and dying, but they managed to work together to accomplish the paralyzed man's dream. Because you have to think, you have to speculate that the paralyzed man dreamed about walking again someday. Can we assume that? Because every day he saw people walking by him. That he dreams about being a part of the group instead of just being in one place. In order for that dream to come true, it took a great team that conquered the obstacles that came about. You know, successful people from what I've seen in life, have great teams surrounding them. Whether it's Bill Gates, whether it's Steve Jobs, whether it's Bill Jackson. You know now the Lakers who they just acquired? Dwight Howard, I can't wait for that team to, to, to go to the championship and beat the Heat. Although I love the heat. I love the heat. But there's something about if you're going to be successful, you can't do it on your own. How many remember Michael Jordan playing? And wasn't it amazing? He would score 65 points and lose. You remember that? It's like, how do you score 65 points and lose the game? And if you remember, he would say, you know, what's the old adage? There's no I in team, but there's an I in win. He said that as he addressed the NBA Hall of Fame. And my point is, you you could be very selfish and do well as an individual, but if you don't have a team, you won't be successful. And it wasn't until he learned that... That the Bulls went on to win six national championships. And that it wasn't about Michael Jordan, it was about the whole team being successful. Let's look back at the scriptures. Mark chapter 2. Again, what was motivating them to get to, to get their paralyzed man healed? It was very simple. They knew that the only way for the paralyzed man to get healed was to get to Jesus. How about for us today? There's so many different teachings out there that say if you do this, things will get better. If you do this, there's so many self-help books out there. And I'm not down on self-help books. But the true answer to the solution is Jesus. Jesus is the only way to have true hope in our lives. Amen? You know, to be successful, you have to be able to come overcome obstacles. You know, when you have a team that has the same purpose and the same vision, even when you as an individual... Is tempted to quit or give up or you get hurt. The other team members will be there to pick you up. You know, I, I know in my own life there have been times when I've been tempted to give up. Well, it's just that the Christian life is just too difficult. You know, to live a life of purity. To live a life of always being honest. To live a life of not being materialistic. I said, man, this is just too hard. By myself, I would have never made it. But because I had an awesome team around me, Is why I'm here still today. You know, to reach your goals is going to require dealing with a lot of pain and being uncomfortable. But once you reach your goal, all the obstacles and trials that you went through will make it so worth it. We're going to watch another clip here right now. Actually, after we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 26. It says, Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating in the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. You're always trying to block out the pain and you're always trying to block out the discomfort. We have like a, a pretty brutal. Um track workout once a week during uh, our training season. I ran 450 meters, I had 100 meters to go. (laughs) And I totally just fell apart. I wanna get this thing over with. Uh, So I just tried to bust it out as fast as I can. I couldn't feel my arms, you know, so it literally felt like I was running with my shoulders. And telling yourself that you're okay, you're not that tired. Um, You know, all you've got left is 50 meters I had built so much elastic acid in my legs that it went up to my arms, and my arms just were dead. The last 50 of a race, um, it, it can go by in a split second or it can take an eternity. I mean, I've had practices where I couldn't stand up and, and literally take two steps. You know, I deserve to be here. I put in that hard work. Pain is just weakness leaving the body, so you just deal with the pain. And then afterwards, you feel great about yourself for finishing that stupid workout. You know, these are Olympic athletes talking about training and the pain that they have to go through to be successful. I mean, anybody can relate to that? And, and, you know, remember back in high school, you know, or, or, you know, if you were on track or you were did some kind of sport, and you just felt like I can't even lift my leg up because I'm so tired. You know, the Christian life is like that sometimes. You know, following Jesus can be like that. But like you said, that like one of the guys said, you know, that last 50, 50 meters, you know, we, it can either feel like an eternity or it can go like that. But if we keep our eyes focused on Jesus, then we'll be able to finish the race. Mark two, verse five. It says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Forgiven. You know, faith. You know, we talk a lot about faith. And and I don't know about you, but me growing up, I thought faith was some kind of mystical illusion. You know, faith is like something when you really believe something. And I thought belief was, you know, belief was something and faith was one thing. But it's interesting here. It says Jesus saw their faith. What did he see in the Fab Four? He saw them take action, he saw them do something about the situation. Now, did he see the paralytic? faith doesn't say that. The paralytic, you know, he couldn't really even move, so the guys just probably just picked him up. He could have been like, no, don't take me, no, don't take me. But the, but the fat four is like, no, you're coming with us, and there's nothing you can do about it. And Jesus saw their faith. He saw the team's faith. He didn't see the individual's faith. He saw the team faith. Let me ask you here this morning, does Jesus see our faith? Does Jesus see our faith as a team? Because when we work together as a team, amazing things will happen. Let's talk a little bit about the paralytic. Let's talk a little bit about the the paralytic. You know, like we we shared, he probably was probably born this way, perhaps. And he would always just kind of been on the side of the road. Because in those times, they just sat there on the road begging for money. They were the lowest of lows in the community. You know, he couldn't move around. His muscles that he did have were probably all in atrophy. He probably lived a very lonely life, and he had to rely on others for everything. You know, what are things in our lives that can cause spiritual paralysis? Because in a group this size, there, there are things in our lives that are paralyzing us today. And we may not want to admit it, but I want to encourage you to really be honest with yourself. You know, things that will cause spiritual paralysis, addictions, and those could be sexual, chemical, greed can spiritually paralyze us. You know, living a double life being one way in one in one part of your life, and then trying to be act another way, a, a Christiany way, in another in another part of your life. Other things that can spiritually paralyze us: pornography, for the men, isolation. See this paralytic; he lived in isolation. And when you're alone that's when Satan attacks. You know, as I was preparing for this message, I looked up stuff on YouTube. And I I was I was looking for this video clip in Africa where one of the buffalo gets cornered by lions, a baby calf had kind of gotten away from the from all the other buffaloes, and the lions don't go after the big ones, the mama and daddas. They go after the little baby calves, and they took they took one of the calves out because that was the easiest. He was in isolation. He was just, he didn't know any better. He was just, you know, trying to enjoy life and he got separated from the pack. When you're isolated, that's when Satan can really do a number on us. You know, as I get older, and some of you laugh, you're like, you're not that old. Um, but I I turned 41 this year. And as I, as I, as a young person, I loved being around everybody. I was like the party animal, the guy that was the life of the party. Come hang out. Let's all get together. Let's go out. Let's go out. Let's all hang out together. That was me as a young person. Through my 20s, even through my 30s. And then when I turned 40, there was something in me. I liked to kind of be alone. Like, leave me alone. I'm tired. Guys, can you relate to me right here? And, you know, I kind of just, I just like just to sit in my chair and not be bothered. And watch the Olympics. And I had to see that that is something that Satan wants me to be. Is isolated. You know, there's nothing wrong with getting away. And you know getting time to yourself. That's not what I'm saying. But if that's a pattern. In our life. If that becomes a pattern in my life. I'm like that little buffalo calf. That strays away from the team. And I become prey for Satan. Let me show you a clip that maybe you can relate to. And I really, I really want to, this point's really for the guys. Because I, I, don't, I think women, they can get together and talk about whatever, and it's like everything's good. But guys, we, just, we, we kind of just like being alone sometimes. So maybe, guys, you might be able to relate to this next clip. Talk about something. All right. I I'd, to like talk- to, I'd like to say something that I've prepared tonight. All right. Done. Hello. How about that ride in? I guess that's why they call it Sin City. <laughs> you guys might not know this, but I consider myself a bit of a loner I tend to think of myself as a one-man wolf pack but when my sister brought Doug home I knew he was one of my own and my wolf pack it grew by one so were there two of us there were two of us in the wolf pack I was alone first in the pack and then Doug joined in later and six months ago when Doug introduced me to you guys I thought Wait a second, could it be? And now I know for sure I just added two more guys to my wolf pack. <laughs> All right. You know, man, we just kind of like it simple, don't we? You know, we can kind of relate to him. You know, uh, we could kind of be like, I'm a one-man wolf pack. You know, but there's there, there's, there's no good... Example of a one man wolf pack. And even, even the, the character there, he's like, you know, I was a one man wolf pack, but then I, I met whatever his name was, and I added someone to my wolf pack, a friend. And then he met the other two guys, and now his, his one, he was one wolf pack, and now he's four. And it kind of goes with our, our message today the Fab Four. You know, I want to encourage the men that you can't do it alone. You can't overcome these spiritual paralysis by yourself. You've got to be a part of a team that that doesn't just get together and talk about how many points Kobe Bryant scored the day before, but actually has deep, Relationships. I believe in our culture and our society, men have become very put down. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll watch the Disney Channel sometimes with my 11 year olds. And the way they make out the dads to be are like stupid, they make the dads seem like they're idiots. But that's how our culture portrays men. But that's not how the Bible calls us as men to be. And if we want to be different from the world, men, we can't get our security from what the world teaches, but what the Word of God teaches. Are you with me? Are you on a spiritual team? If not, that's okay. Okay. But I want to encourage you to see the value of being on a team. Let's go back to Mark chapter 2. You know, whenever you want to do something great, there's always going to be naysayers. You know, verse 6, it says, Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who could forgive sins but God alone? You know, here are the religious people. They had their team. And it's so incredible that here are the religious people, the every week churchgoers. And they were criticizing what Jesus had just done. You know, we could be like that in the church. And sometimes we could be the most critical when we see something good happen. We can be, oh, well, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's just, you know, luck or whatever. We can, we can be, become like the, the teachers of the law and not see things the way Jesus does. You know, I think about the greatest team in our society, in our culture today. You know, when I think about this team, it is a team that is undervalued so much. I think about this team, and it's a team that is, that is made fun of in our culture today. When I think about the team, our society says, you know what? You don't even need to be a part of the team. You want to know what this team is, who this team is? And I think this is the most powerful team in the United States and the world. I'll even go there. You want to know what the name, who this team is? The family. The family unit. That if a family is a As a team, not everyone doing their own little thing, but if they're a team, it can change a community. It can change a country. If we put more value and focus on the family units, there is nothing that our church can't accomplish and be successful. How does that start? How do we have a successful family unit? It starts with Dad. All the sisters are like, Yeah, preach! But it's true. It starts with me. Making sure that I am close to God. Making sure that I'm in my Bible. And I'm reading and praying. And then... I could be a great husband to my wife. and when I'm in harmony with my wife, God does amazing things. But if there's friction, and I'm not saying it's going to be you know hunky-dory twenty four seven, but whenever there is conflict, you work it out. That same day. And it's amazing. How the marriage goes is how the kids go. And I, I believe that with all my heart. And I've seen that in my own life. You know, I've shared, you know, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share about my son. Uh, Bronson, and you know, and, um, you know, he just turned 14 years old, and uh, he's a he's a volleyball player. And uh, when he turned 13, he's like, you know, Dad, now I can uh, be a part of a a gym. I'm old enough to join a gym, Dad. I'm like, okay, all right, and uh, and in our in our relationship, we'd have some battles. And I was the prideful dad that said, you gotta do it this way, son. This is the way you need to do it. You need to do it this way. You need to study more. You need to practice more. And we were not close. We were not connected well. And um, he, he said, "You know, I want to join a gym." And I was like, "Great, let's let's do it. I'll pick you up after school. And we'll go to the gym." He goes, "No, no, 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 no. Not after school, Dad. I want to go before school." I'm like, "You got it." In my in my heart, I'm like, "You got to be kidding me." <laughs> and so I was like, "Okay." And so, you know, for, you know, several, several months, we we got together and he'd come in like the, he'd come in our room and say, all right, now let's go. 530 in the morning. And I'm a musician. Musicians don't do early. I was like, you know what, I need... I need to connect. I've shared this story so many times, and every time I cry. <laughs> and so we started going every morning, and we started working out, we're pumping iron, and, and um, it was so cool, I would see guys on the treadmill, older guys, you know, my age and older, And I'll, and I'll never forget the first couple of weeks that I was there at the gym. And while Bronson was like, you know, doing legs or something, a couple of the guys, they would look over at me and go like this. Because, and I actually ended up talking to one of them later. And he said that he wished he would have done that with his son. And spent that kind of time. And so, you know, I share this for the dads to make sure that your family is first. God is first, then your family. Not your job. Not anything else. Because your kids grow up fast. Fast. They grow up so fast. And I bet if we were to ask some of the the parents here whose kids are gone, and they're they're out of the house, and I don't say this to make you feel bad, but I'm sure there's some regret in there of wishing that you spent more quality time with your kids. Amen? Mark 2. Oh, let's go. All right, let's go. Moving on. (laughs) All right. All the people that are watching on the podcast are going, this guy needs to get it together. Okay. (laughs) Amen. Mark 2, verse 8. It says, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. He said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven or to say, get up. Take your mat and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic. I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this before. You know, Jesus just has a way of just making the religious get quiet. And he tells the paralytic, Get up, take your mat, and, and go home. You know, that paralytic, I I sure hope that he was grateful to that Fab Four. We don't really know much, but what we do know is that he was fired up about what God had done. It says he took his mat and he walked out in full view of them all. Why didn't he just kind of escape through the back? Why didn't he do that? Because he was so excited that God had transformed his life. He went from being a paralyzed man to being able to walk out in full view of them all. You know, when you have an encounter with Jesus, there's radical change. There's none of this. Well, yeah, you kind of seem a little different. No, 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 no. When you come in contact with Jesus, there's radical change. And this, in the paralytic's life, it took four men. The Fab Four, the team, to get him to Jesus. Let's look over at Matthew 27 as we close out. You know, Jesus had a great team around him up until the end. You know, Jesus had... His disciples, His apostles. But when it it got tough, the the disciples, they all left. They fled. And here in Matthew 27, verse 45, it says, From the sixth hour to the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, He's calling Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs, and after the resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people." You know, Jesus, he was alone at the very end. He had, he had God, who, who's the best teammate you could ever have. But even when, when, when all of our sin was placed on Jesus, God could not be a part of that. And so even God turned his back on Jesus because God is holy. And Jesus went by himself to the cross, so that we could have a new life. Let's think about these things. Let's think about the team. Let's think about what are the things in my life that are paralyzing me spiritually. And let's take those things to the cross. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for being the the greatest teammate ever. God, we pray that as we Focus on Jesus right now, that you will help us to just get real. And I really encourage the men to really dig deep and, and take whatever is going on and take it to the cross. Father, we thank you so much for sending your son to die for us and being the ultimate example. We love you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.